0: Just go for it, you know, and and don't be scared. This is your livelihood, this is your business, and make it
1: work. That's the voice of Tom Hamilton, owner of Citizen Wood Company. And I'm excited to talk with him right after a quick word from our sponsor. This episode is brought to you by Jobber. Jobber is software to organize and manage your business. Hello, and welcome to Building a Furniture Brand with Ethan Abramson, the show that talks about the business behind the furniture business. On this episode, I sit down with Tom Hamilton, owner of the furniture business Citizen Wood Company. Tom has journeyed through the furniture business, starting as a refurbishing company under a different name. He learned the bones of how to build furniture by bringing old pieces back to life. That led to him giving life to his own designs, rebranding his company to what it is today, learning the craft, learning the business, learning what it takes to be successful in this industry. Tom is humble in what he has learned. As you will hear, he doesn't push his path on anyone. But we could all learn from what he has to say, and how he has grown his business into what it is today. Follow along as we talk about changing your company image, how to grow your online presence, why you should choose your own path, and much more. Actually,
0: I was in the optical industry for about 10 years. So I did a lot of retail. I worked on the lab side of things. Um, you know, I actually made glasses for a long time, all the way up until about three years ago when I went full time. Um, but where it initially started was um, I kind of got the urge of, of doing something new i was kind of sick of that industry um, and believe it or not i started as a different company um, and i didn't even mean to so i i started refurbishing furniture uh, back in about 2016 um, as kind of a side hustle to my job so basically i would buy a piece of junk furniture off a of facebook marketplace i would repaint it restain it you know sand it back down to raw get it back up to 220 throw my my stains and paints and whatnot on there and i would repost it for you know, let's say $100 more. And that kind of did okay for a while. Um, You know, and before I know it, I I started getting inquiries about small builds and I'd never really even thought about doing it, but I I knew I loved it. So I basically, uh, I lived in a condo at the time with one of my best friends and we had a little one car garage that could open your arms and probably touch each wall. But um, the first inquiry I had was a lady that wanted a headboard and so, you know, I took one of my furniture profits that I made from refurbishing, and I I went to Home Depot and bought a little saw and a drill and some wood screws and, and some lumber of, you know, Douglas fir, probably as well as East Coast, you know. <laughs> um, and uh, so I told her, yeah, you know, I said, I can absolutely make you something. And, um, she, you know, she wanted these custom lights in there. And. And I had no idea what I was doing. So I always say I'm YouTube certified. So I jumped on YouTube and watched some videos and gained a little bit of knowledge. And before I know it, I had this headboard and it wasn't anything small. I mean, this thing, she wanted pretty much floor to ceiling, almost nine feet tall or something crazy like that. I had no joiner, no planer, you know, wet wood. Granted, I ended up knocking it out. I did a great job on it, believe it or not. Um, obviously room for improvement there, but, um, so anyways, I ended up, uh, doing that. I gave it to her. She absolutely loved it. A little bit of word of mouth went around. Um, and so I made a post and just said, Hey, you know, guys, I'm going to start making these uh, headboards if you're interested. And long story short, it started rolling in faster than I thought. So, you know, it went to another headboard and then maybe a third one, and then it went into a full bed frame and a headboard. Um, and then it kind of got into the small furniture. And so, you know, I actually, at that time, I, I wasn't really expecting it to do what it did. And so I had a company, I, I, I came up with the name real quick. It was actually Urban Wood, Arizona. That was my first company name. And I just needed something. So I looked a little more legit. And um, that kind of took off and, and it did okay for a while. I, I just didn't want to be in just the market of doing headboards. So started just taking on smaller odd jobs as well as doing the refurbishing. And it just kind of snowballed into a business of, of consistency. So I just ended up saying, hey, well, I think I can do this. So I I just kept hustling away at it, taking what I could, learning what I could. Um, while I was still in the optical industry, I was in the lab at this time and, you know, I was making glasses full time. And then I basically, uh, realized like, Hey man, this, this, this could be something. And, and I I realized I was kind of good at it. So, you know, I, I, I kind of jumped with it and did it until where I was comfortable saying, Hey, you know, maybe I can, uh, Maybe I can start doing just working half a week in the optical and then doing half a week with my business. And by this time, I was already thinking of rebranding and, and I wanted to get an actual name and, and get, you know, my LLC and all of that stuff. So I, I was also doing that at the same time and all the way up until about three years ago, I kind of did half and half. And then I finally just said, you know what, if I'm going to do this, I'm going to dive in head first. And I did. And luckily, I've made it three years full time and I'm hoping I can do another, you know, 40 if I could. So that's kind of how I got into woodworking and, and, you know, it's an absolute passion of mine and, and it's just fun to not go into the corporate world every day, you know, clock in, clock out, do the same exact thing with woodworking business where you get to actually create something from the ground up. So you're, you know, your, your clients are excited. Whereas when you're in retail or optical, people don't want to spend money on that, you know, whereas this is a treat for them. And so what I try to do is make it fun for them. And yeah, I mean, that's just, really how I got into the woodworking business.
1: Looking at your furniture now, it's a long way from refurbishing old vanities and dressers <laughs> and things like that. And it's a journey. And, and you as a company owner need to follow where not only your passion lies, but also where the money is. And That's what you did. You went from building that refurbished furniture to headboards, to more serious furniture, to more serious furniture, to now very serious furniture. The stuff that you build now is, is very impressive.
0: Well, thank you. I appreciate that. Yeah. I mean, it's one of those things too, where you kind of got to move. And I don't, I don't want to say this wrong, but you kind of want to move with the trend. So you know, when I actually seriously started getting into this um, and, you know, I'm always updating my Instagram profile to kind of keep it with what's trendy at the time. So when I actually started, uh, you know, going seriously into the furniture making, as we all know, farmhouse was huge. So I was doing a ton of farmhouse tables. Um, You know, the downfall of that is, is you kind of put yourself in that market, not necessarily that's what I wanted to do. And I have no problem doing it to this day. If, if someone still wants a, a farmhouse style table, I have no issue building it. I actually still enjoy making those. But, you know, that's one thing I realize is you don't want to limit yourself to one thing. You you kind of want to expand with with what, what is trending, what what is kind of hot. So, you know, if you go on my profile now, you're going to start seeing a lot more of these epoxy tables or um, these live edge tables that are just massive you know and and that's what's in and and I think with that market the good thing about being in that market is at least with live edge is it's going to I think it's here to stay it's been around for a very long time um you know and and that's one thing that I'm I'm glad I got into because it is going to carry out for a very long time so you know I guess all I'm really trying to say is, is don't limit yourself to just one thing and and kind of follow what trends are and and what is What's hot, and you can find that out on Pinterest? you can find that out on Instagram. You can find that out pretty much anywhere, so just don't limit yourself i guess is a is a big thing i'm I'm trying to say here
1: We all as a society, I'm going to do a big umbrella comment here. We're very sucked into social media, and it's definitely very much at the forefront of. majority of people's minds. And that's how they find out about a lot of new things. But we can't discredit a website, the use of websites, because that is still where a lot of the meat of the business gets done. That's where people go from your social media or from your business card or from learning about you through word of mouth. And That is really their touchstone of how they start interacting with you. And looking through your website, it's very well done. It's got a great gallery of your pieces. It also has a lot of call to actions in a lot of different places for ordering pieces. It's not hard for somebody to get in touch with you once they are on your website. Another thing that I noticed is that you have a very conversational tone on there. Yes, everything is very professional and it looks very professional, but you definitely have a more, let's say, casual tone for explaining the process, explaining what your clients are going to get, than, say, a very tight-lipped, buttoned-up, where a large company that doesn't have time to sort of walk you through the ins and outs of custom furniture. And I think that that is probably very appealing to your clients. It's very relatable. And was that something that you built up over the years after dealing with clients? Or is that just how you want to present yourself in the marketplace?
0: So, yeah, that's a great question. I mean, where that comes from or stems from is, is, is being a one-man show um, and doing very custom pieces. You want to make your clients feel, I don't want to say more as friends, you know, not saying that any of my clients aren't my friends, I guess where I'm getting at is, is you want them to be comfortable with you as if like you and I were talking, I guess what I try to do is portray that to my website, you know, right, right. When you open it, it says, you know, thanks for stopping by, take a look around and let me know, you know if you enjoy something, if you want something, I, you know, I can't remember verbatim what it says on the front page, but that is exactly what I want to do. I want the, I'm working a lot of one-on-one, you know, I'm doing pretty much one piece at a time. Granted, sometimes I have two or three tables going on at a time and I can jump back and forth. But when I get a client, they get a hundred percent of my focus and I want them to feel comfortable. Like they can talk to me as not just a buttoned up. Oh yes, this, this, that, and you know, very, personable. I don't like that, you know, no matter what I've done in my life, I, I don't like being unpersonable. You know, I can go anywhere and, and start a conversation with anybody. And I, I just enjoy being that way. So I guess maybe that just portrays onto my website as well, because I do want them to be educated, but in a way that is comfortable for them, that they can understand because we can talk about things that they would have no idea. So I want to break down every process. Um, you know, what to expect. I have a what to expect page because a lot of people come in with questions like, I don't mean, I want a live edge and, and you go, well, yeah, I get that. So what, what do you want to, what do you want? So the what to expect page actually kind of breaks that down of, of seating charts and and how, you know, how many people you can seat at a table. And, um, you know, I, I just really want every one of my clients to fill comfortable working one-on-one with me, because like I said, I am a one-man show. I'm not that buttoned up business that, that has to say, Oh, well you better pay this. And this is how it is. And I let them, I, you know, I'll give them some base options. I'll talk them into certain things that they didn't think that they knew. Um, And that's kind of what I want to be set apart from. I don't want to be these big buttoned up guys that are just doing Granted, Hey, maybe the money there is there, but um, I also like a word of mouth, you know, a lot of my, my clients are returning because, you know, they think of something that they didn't even think about. They wanted after a project and they'll call me up and just like a friend would and say, Hey Tom, you know, uh, I just thought about this end table. I wanted, what do you think? You know? And, and I want people to be able to do that, to reach out to me and feel comfortable doing that. You know, I don't, I do obviously want to be a business and I want to be taken seriously as a business, but I I want to be also, um, more of a, I don't know what word I'm trying to look for here. I guess I, I friend is such a, it makes me sound not legitimate, I guess. Um, I just want them to be comfortable. You know, I I want them to feel that it's not just a business that it's more than that. And I also want them to be comfortable because some of my products aren't very cost effective. So when they're spending that amount of money, if you're just this buttoned up business that says, this is what it is. And they go, well, why, um, if you can explain to them comfortably and say, this is what it is, this is why, you know, go here, check this out. They can feel more comfortable with that price tag as opposed to saying, well, this guy is just trying to get the most amount of money from me and doesn't want to deal with me whatsoever. And I don't want to feel that way because I did work for a corporation for so long. That's how I felt. They treated us as employees and how they thought of their customers was there just money signs and we're just workers and we're replaceable. Um, and I don't ever want any of my clients to feel like they're they're just another number on the books. I want them to feel like they are a part of the process through and through, if they want to be. Some people say just build me this, leave me alone, you know. But most actually like being part of the process and it's an experience for them, as opposed to just going to any other company that just says, Well, here's your options, this is your amount, that's it. I'll get it delivered to you, whatever. I, I like to keep them very involved. So when they have that price tag they actually feel more comfortable spending that money because they know that they got to help with the project. They, you know, they got to talk to me one-on-one. They can text me, email me, call me pretty much anytime. I do say Sundays, probably not, Uh, but anytime, you know, and I have no issue taking the call or if if I don't hear it, I'll give them a call back. And I just want them to feel comfortable not only with my website, but um, just with me in general, as a business owner, as a one-man show, I'm the only person that's the front of my business. I'm the only face to my business. So I have to make that very known and make them feel, I guess, you know, like I said, I was avoiding it, but as, as my friends as well,
1: you're running a business. You're not out there trying to make friends with every single client. I understand where you're drawing that line, but the personal touch is very important. And the personal touch is what you're going for and what lets your business stand out from somebody else because let's be honest there's a lot of furniture makers out there there's uh, a lot of people who can build a custom piece there's a lot of people who can build furniture for people but you need to set yourself apart and some people do that with design some people do that With customer service. Some people do that with pricing. Some people do that with all three of those or a combination of all three of those. Customer service is a big deal for you. And it sounds like that is how you are getting most of your business. When somebody reaches out to you and you say, I want to build your furniture. I don't want to be your best friend, but I want to have that personal touch with you. I want to have that personal relationship with you because this is a piece that's going to be custom for you. What does that look like? What does that initial conversation start like? And then how do you get into the other side of it, the business side, the part where you can all be friendly, but when money comes on the table you get out of that friend zone and into and back into the business zone so let's talk through your process of somebody reaching out them telling you what they want and then you getting into the pricing and the next steps of timelines and building
0: yeah so you know it First things first is when someone does inquire from my website, the first sentence I always say is thank you for taking the time to look at it, you know, because it is, it's time out of their day. There's, a like you said, a million woodworkers, especially here in Phoenix, there's a large market of furniture makers. And and just as you said, you have to set yourself apart. You have to be a little bit different. So initially when I get that that email um, or phone call, you know, I, I, I will always thank them and say, you know, thank you for, for taking that time to look at it. And then I'll just get some information from them. You know, I, I don't jump right into pricing because a lot of people goes, how much is this table? And they'll send a picture, you know, kind of how I go about that is, is usually I, I will say, you know, Hey, you're getting a custom made piece. So we're making this from the ground up. You know, I don't make an inventory of things. I can't make you that exact same table and, and how I make them feel a little more special about it is, is that they're getting, I, I say, you're getting a, a one of one piece. Granted, there may be a lot of similar pieces, but as we all know, every, epoxy table liveage table are a little bit different you know so i do tell them you know this is a one of one piece i'm not going to give you pricing right off the bat because i don't have enough information from you and, and that's the thing is you have to eventually jump into that business side so i usually will start out with hey you know what are you looking for What what's the style of your home what color of wood you know because people don't know species of wood they know color i like dark i like red i like yellow i like and so then what I usually typically will do is send that email back and just say, you know, let's get a little more information. Let's find out your style, your house, you know, what decor, what design do you want? Modern, do you want rustic? Do you want, um, so not only there, you're breaking the barrier there. So then you're kind of starting the conversation with them. So then they go, oh, wow. I, I, well, okay. So then they start writing back a little more information and then you can start pinpointing what exactly they're kind of looking for. So, um, once I kind of get their their desired style and their dimensions, you know, I'll send them some base options. And and then, you know, I say, you know, what kind of style do you like here? And and then, so I guess where I'm getting with that is, is you're, you're kind of starting conversation first. You're not going directly into business. You're getting to lo- uh, know a little bit about them. Um, you know, you're getting to know, okay, so this is a style that they like. They sent me this picture off my gallery. Okay, so I know what they're looking for, obviously, but let's make it feel a little more custom to them. Once we get to that point, We'll say, okay, so this, let's just say, for example, they want a walnut live edge table. I will always give them two options. I say, you know, because everyone knows walnuts expensive right now, as is any type of wood right now, is absolutely insane. But um, you know, I I will also be forward with pricing on that. You know, hey, you're picking one of the the more expensive pieces of wood just to let you know. Now we do have an alternative, which is this, which is a little bit cheaper. That will get you a little better of a cost. And then again, right there, you're actually establishing. Uh, a little more of trust with the the client themselves. So, you know, you're, you're saying, Hey, yes, I'll give you the most expensive piece, obviously, because that's going to benefit me. But I know that both of those pieces are going to benefit the company. So no matter which one they go with, I'll be happy with, let's just say, I'll say, well, you know, here's a monkey pod that's a little bit cheaper than than your walnut. You liked this base. So what I say is, you know, let me get together an estimate of cost. I'm going to, I'm going to break it down for you so you can see where your money's going. And then that's where it kind of gets more serious, you know? So once I get my estimate sent, I I will put on that, Hey, this is your, your final estimate or I always require a half down uh, non-refundable deposit because people can back out after they, you know, you go buy your supplies. They say, Oh, I don't want to do it. And then you're out of money. So I always do a 50% non-refundable and that's just to kind of cover my business because I am a one man show. I can't go afford to buy a 15 foot walnut slab, but so I'll put in there, Hey, you know, this is, your estimate of cost. Now it's getting serious. I need 50%, you know, and this is to cover your cost of materials. I'll, you know, I'll I'll request the the rest at the end. If you do approve this, um, I have them sign it. And that's how I know that job is locked in. You have to kind of establish a little more of a comfort zone before you send that big number, because if they feel like, okay, well, he explained this. He also gave me two options of expensive and less expensive and a more expensive base and a less expensive base. They feel comfortable. So then that leaves the ball in their court um, of of basically you get to choose what price you want to spend, you know, and if they say, well, I don't know what's the price of both of them, then I'll do both. You know, I take a little extra time and I'll do two estimates, you know, and it might be a $1,500 difference. It might be a $500 difference. Either way, they feel like they have gotten the most options and the most that they're comfortable with spending by doing that. So I always say establish that comfort first and then get into the business side. And then once you get into that business side, they are more comfortable with spending the amount that that it might be.
1: How do you go about pricing your pieces, the actual nuts and bolts of your pricing structure? Because it's a hard thing for people to do. And it's a hard thing for custom work because yes, you've built similar pieces and yes, people are looking at your website and the pieces you've made before, but they say, I want that, but I want it with this change, this change, this change. And that price that you had before doesn't always work for the next client. So what's your pricing breakdown look like? And how do you go about setting that up for a new client, a new project?
0: So that's, you know, that's actually a good question because I do get that a lot. You know, I, I, I get that. Well, how much is this one? And they, they just send me a picture and it kind of comes back to that um, relationship that you kind of start with. So I, I, I always tell someone that I'm not going to give them a number right off the bat because I don't know, because my cost of wood is up and down, left and right. As you probably know, you know, depending on your distributor, depending on how much grain orientation, if they want a very figured piece, like a, pearl maple or, or, you know, very figured walnut, Um, or they can just do lower grade and I can go to another supplier that I can get it for a lot cheaper. So obviously you and I, we both know that you want the most return for the product. So again, it comes down to, you kind of can feel them out of where they're at. So if you ever go to my, uh, I want a quote or custom quote on my, my website, I always say project budget required for response. And the reason I do that is because that automatically sets me up to know where they're at and where they stand. And if I can even get them something in that budget, because a lot of people say, I like picture number 14, how much is it? And then then the the product, the project budget, they'll put zero. And so I'll write them back politely and say, you know, unfortunately at this time, I I can't get you an estimate until I know your desired budget or or a rough estimate of your budget before we move forward. And that kind of helps narrow that down. So then I, from there, I know exactly what distributors I can go to, to get close to that price range. Or I know, okay, so this person has a budget, we can go to these higher end distributors, we can go to this higher end wood, and then we can kind of start breaking down costs. So I always tell customers that every piece is uniquely priced. I know that's a pain in the butt for most and most don't like hearing that. But it's true, I, I can't give you an estimate. I'm not reproducing the same product over and over and over. Every piece is custom, one of one. So that table that you see on my website or my gallery that, you know, let's just say my maple oval table with the, the glass river. At the time I bought that maple, it was a lot cheaper than it is now. So at that time, it might've been a little bit cheaper than the cost of it now, just like inflation with everything else. It, it, everything is up. So epoxy costs are higher. Um, my glass cutters are higher. My, my suppliers are higher. Shipping is higher. And unfortunately, that gets passed upon the client. So I I always make sure and tell them these pieces are one of one. I can't give you an estimate until we get more information. So then, typically, what I do from there is if they give me that budget, I'm going to send them over different options of slabs. You know, I usually like to give them four or five options, and I like to give them three or four base options. Um, Or if they want custom fabricated, I'll I'll tell them it's to be determined. You know, we have to go through a metal fabricator there. I, I have a metal fabricator locally here that I use. And he has to give me an estimate. So, you know, there's a lot of factors. And honestly, that's been one of my hardest hills to climb is is getting the right pricing for everybody. And I've just come to the conclusion that I can't do that. So I know in my mind what I want to make on each piece or what I not want, what I need to make on each piece because I have, you know, I have shop overhead. I have a lot of overhead. And then I kind of branch from there. So like I said, you have to be, you have to gain that comfort, And then you kind of have to build from the ground up. So as far as pricing goes, every single one of my tables is a little bit differently cost. And if they say, well, just give me a rough estimate, then I'll give them a very rough estimate. I'll say this can be anywhere from $3,500 to $9,500. And this one can be anywhere, you know, say there's two options. This one can be anywhere from $5,000 to $10,000. Well, then they go, well, what's the difference? And then I can kind of explain this is why it's that big difference. That's why we need to narrow it down. And then I say, you know, do you want to move forward with the process? And most of the times, if they have an idea and they sent that project budget, I can usually make it work. There's some people that go and they say I have a thousand dollar budget. They want an eight foot epoxy river table. Not going to happen. And I explain that to them politely, not being close. Um, but here's what we can do for. I mean, I can't do anything for a thousand these days, but you know what I mean? Um, this is what we can do close to your budget. And they basically will say, OK, well, then I guess either I'll say, yeah, I actually kind of like that table or they're going to say, no, that's just too much or out of my price range. And that's how you know you've eliminated what I call the TWs, the time wasters. That's how you know who you want to do business with, how you want to go about that estimate of cost. And they kind of build the cost that they want. You know, I'm, I'm just sending them options and letting them know the cost of those options and they can kind of build from there. And that way, they're again spending what they're comfortable with spending. And I'm just giving them education and products as far as the pricing goes for their bill.
1: That conversation you have with a client when you say, this is a custom piece of furniture, what's your budget? You know, as the furniture maker, that the client's thinking, if I give a budget, this person's going to take me for all that money. And that's going to be the price of the table. But from the furniture maker's side, custom furniture has no limit. You could make a table that's a thousand dollars, or you could make a table that's a hundred thousand dollars. Yeah, absolutely. And you need to know what your client is comfortable with. It's not a, You're trying to squeeze all the money out of your client that you can. It's that you need a place to start. You need a starting block to understand what the project is. So I know that conversation and I feel for every single furniture maker, every single day who has to have that conversation where they have to explain, it's not that I'm trying to take advantage of you. I'm just trying to know where we stand, where we can start with this project and go from there. And that is where the client relationship comes in and building a strong relationship from the start. And I'm not saying it has to be months or years of talking with this client and walking them through the process, but a client relationship, a strong client relationship can start with a good website. So they know what they're walking into a good first impression. So they feel comfortable with you having your business and the way you do business out in the world. So the client can interact with that and feel comfortable with you before they have that first conversation.
0: Hundred percent. That is absolutely true. And and I'll tell you, it it's never a comfortable conversation when it comes to money with anybody. So they they know, like you said, you do run into that. Well, he's just trying to get, and it it, it really isn't. You have to establish. Either you're going to spend weeks with with clients trying to get that cost out of the way and trying to figure it out, and more than likely they're gonna they're gonna drain you for all your time. And then you're going to say, okay, well, here's, we finally got everything locked in. And and let's just say here, it's a $5,500 table. And they go, oh my gosh, I thought that was, I had a $1,200 budget. So you're selling yourself short. So either you have to just get that uncomfortableness out right off the bat, which it sucks. I mean, don't get me wrong. Discussing money with anybody is never a fun process. So just get it out of the way right off the bat. You know, like I said, start that relationship, but also when they inquire, just put that project budget, you know, and, and that it's not that I'm going to go to the max of that budget. It's just giving me a starting point of where they're at. And yeah, I might even send them something that's cheaper than that. And I might also send them something that's more expensive. And I might say, here's, here's your options. We actually got you under budget, but if you want to go over budget again, you put the ball and I actually learned this selling uh, you know, we, we sold high-end glasses, luxotica So we, you know, we were selling glasses, frames, and lenses for, for $1,200 when they can go to a place called Warby Parker and they can get them for $200. But what you're doing what they taught you is you establish that relationship and educate them as to why they're spending that money. So if you educate them, and even with my estimate, I break down each cost of what everything is. A lot of people just send a number and they go, well, why is it $12,000? Well, if you break that down, then they say, okay, so that slab cost them $4,300 that, that epoxy cost them fifteen hundred dollars. That, you know, flattening cost was and and so they're 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 actually getting a breakdown of their spending. And again, you're all you're doing is educating them, you're giving them options, and then you're basically putting the ball in their court and they can decide what they want to spend. I'm not spending your money for you. You came to me. I'm gonna educate you a little bit. I'm gonna show you what I think would be great for you, and then let you decide. You know, it's up to you what you wanna spend with me. I'm just the guy that's going to make it happen.
1: As a one-person shop, you have the benefit of making your own hours, you have the benefit of enjoying the parts of the day that you want to and doing the parts that you don't want to at your own leisure. But at the same time, you have to do those parts you don't want to do. Oh. You have it all comes down to you end of the day. So as a one person shop, let's talk a little bit about how you organize your day or how you organize your projects and how you balance that business side, that marketing side, that client interaction side, which is all very important with the actual building side and the quality building side and the making sure the pieces that you are building not only come out on time, but come out in a professional manner that is going to push your business forward.
0: Yeah. So, I mean, I, you know, like you said, it is, it is being a business owner is great because you do get to choose your own hours. Now, keep in mind that it's a lot of hours, you know, I do like my morning. So, you know, I take my time getting to the shop because I can work as late as I want to, you know, it's my shop. So, um, I like to drink my coffee in the morning. I like to take my dog on a walk. And that's honestly one of the best benefits I have, you know, now keep in mind when the workday starts, it doesn't really ever stop until you're in bed. So, um, you know, once I get to my shop, I, I'm going to basically, I, I recently got into fusion and, and SketchUp, And, you know, so what I try to do now is, Pre make my jobs and then I go. So I have a goal because my biggest thing I've realized when I get to my shop, even to this day, I'm so scatterbrained. So I'm always like, okay, well, what what do I do here? What do I do here? What do I do here? So um, I always start with a game plan of, okay, what do I need to do today in the shop? So, um, you know, if I have to do drawers or, or, you know, if I have to do uh, glue ups, if I have to do milling, if I have to do whatever it may be, molds, epoxy, set a goal. So just kind of come up, even if it's three things for that day, just get those three things done and I'm still working on this. So don't quote me. I, I, I still am scatterbrained. I just, that's just my nature. So basically I, I will, you know, I'll come up, kind of come up with a game plan and try to execute that. That way, when you leave the shop, you feel a little more organized and like you got something accomplished that day. First things first is after my mornings, I, I basically, I, I go straight to my shop and get to work. Um, you know, lunchtime, I always check my emails, um, just to make sure that I'm not missing something because as we discussed before the market here the amount of woodworkers is insane. So if you don't catch that email in time, I guarantee they've already emailed three or four of the woodworkers. So you do have to be on top of that. So don't don't forget about that part of it. So make sure you are checking your emails through, you know, periodically or your Instagram messages. Sometimes business comes through that, you know, so just make sure you are doing that. So once I get that done, you know, again, what we talked about earlier is is content. So, you know, make sure you're getting content as well throughout the day. If you're building something, say, OK, well, what do I want to get in this content? And then when I get home at night, my fiance knows this, it it takes another probably two or three hours for me to finally say, okay, I'm putting the phone down. Let's, you know, let's just relax for a little bit, you know, because when you get home, that's again, where you're going to either reply to your emails. That's when you're going to upload your content. That's when you're going to edit your videos, you edit your reels, um, check your website. You know, I always am trying to my biggest thing that I'm running into, into is my SEO. So my goal is to get higher up on my Google ranking. Obviously, that's everybody's goal. If you're not in that top 10 or five, whatever it is, usually you're going to get surpassed. So um, even with my website, I'll, I'll constantly upload new projects to my my website. And, you know, I'll try to do a couple a week if I have the, you know, pictures. You, of course, can only put much, as much up as, as you're doing. So In between that marketing make sure you're, you know, you're getting content. So you have that for when you can market on your website or market on your, you know, like you said, social media is huge. When you get home, basically you are going to, you're still going to be working. So, you know, even if you're working five or six hours in the shop, just keep in mind, you're going to have another two or three after that. Um, And that's kind of doing your office stuff. So, you know, again, you're your own accountant, you're your own marketing team, you build your own websites. You do your own social media. You, you have a lot more than just the building part of it. So keep that in mind when you get into a business for yourself, especially as a one man show, it consumes a lot of time. And you are the, the amount of money you're going to make is up to you because you're not getting that paycheck anymore. And this can be feast or famine. You know, you can be doing very, very, very well. And then that can come to a complete halt and you have to be prepared for those slow times because there is slow times, you know, Um, especially after the holidays, it either, you know, people are just a little bit more worried because of Christmas time. And then once tax season comes around and it starts picking up again. So just always make sure that you're prepared and just be prepared. If you're going to be a one man show, especially I couldn't even imagine having employees. It's a lot of work and, and just make sure that you plan your days. So you get the most amount of time doing what you need to do and plan your evenings, even when you get home, what you need to get done when you get home, but also don't forget about your life. So make sure that you do give yourself some time. Sometimes there'll be weekends that I don't even reply and I know I shouldn't be doing that, but sometimes I just want a Saturday and Sunday to spend with my fiance and my dog. That's okay too. You know, make sure that you're not drowning yourself to where it becomes miserable because I've done that and I still do that sometimes, but also make sure that you're staying in the loop. You're you're constantly putting stuff out there because you're not going to go anywhere if you're not um, so just make sure that you are taking that time after work to build your website up, to build your Google, to build your, your reels, to build everything. So just keep that in mind however long of a day you want to work, just keep in mind that you still have the at home stuff to do as well. So don't exhaust yourself 12 hours in the shop, knowing you have three hours of work to do when you get home, cut it up a little bit Do you know, do a six hour day and then come home and do two or three hours. And then you, you won't wear yourself out so fast.
1: Burnout is a real thing. And I've talked with a lot of other guests on this show about the same situation. And I know that it is a real issue with people who own their own companies and are one person shops or have a lot of employees. Burnout is real and you need to guard against that because if it happens to you, then Not only does it make your life miserable, but it makes your business miserable because you can't function that way. And people forget that you can run your business the way you want to. It's not a cookie cutter mold. If you find that you work better before those emails start coming in, then start your day really early. If you feel like you work better at night when... Everybody else is sleeping, work later, and then sleep during the morning. Millions of combinations that you want to do. You don't need to fit a cookie cutter mold of your business because it's your business and you're personalizing the way you want it to be run. So you should do that with your hours as well. So I completely hear what you're saying about managing your time in a way that works for you in a way that makes you, at the end of the day, work as best as you can and give your clients the best product that they can ask for.
0: 100%.
1: I want to go back and touch on something that you mentioned sort of in passing, and that is your search rankings. That's how you're building your website to be higher up on search results. And that's not something that a lot of people keep in mind. They think, okay, I've made my website. It's easy to navigate. It's easy for clients to find out what they want and I'll just leave it there and I'll drive people to it. But there's also that option, having the website pull clients in on its own. So how have you been going about optimizing your website to bring clients in, the, in that way?
0: So, you know, I'll tell you right off the bat, that has been one of the hardest, you know, parts of, of my business is drawing traffic. You know, um, again, like I said, if you're not in that top, I think it's five or ten. I can't remember if, if you're not there, more than likely you're not going to get discovered. Uh, as of recently, I, I downloaded um, it's a free app. It's called Google Analytics. I'm sure most people that, that have a website have heard of it or a business. Um, and basically, they're telling you exactly who's coming into your website, how long they're on your website, what are their key searches? Literally they're, they're breaking down every day. um, What is happening? So um, I I go through GoDaddy. I did my my site through GoDaddy just because they kind of have a template that can help you build. And what I've noticed with them even is, is they're, they're trying to make it as easy for us business owners to do that ourselves, because SEO is expensive. I'm sure you've looked it up. I mean, to hire someone to do SEO for you is insane. You know, they want $2,000 a month to do it. And and that's just not in a budget for me, at least. GoDaddy will make it very easy as far as they actually have an SEO option. So they'll tell you how to optimize. So they'll tell you what page needs what words and, and what words that you should use to kind of optimize. And the thing is, is any changes that you make to your websites, and I don't know how true this is, but more than likely you're not going to see results for about, I think it's four to six months. I did a test run of doing an online store where I did these three tables that you could do customized pieces. So, you know, the pieces that I know that I can get for the same exact cost every time I put it up and I did a test run in January and it actually brought my traffic down, believe it or not. So I ended up eliminating that. I think people like the more custom side of things you know, I, I tried to do, be a little more retailish and I don't think that benefited me. So that's the nice thing is about Google analytics, because you can watch how your website's doing. So, you know, constantly up, updating, you know, you always got to make sure that you're putting photos up. That's the main thing. They say um, photos and keywords. So um, if you're putting your keywords in your website and you know, you, you're, you're building, they have what are called Google spiders. So they go in through and they're gonna find your keywords and and they're gonna, that's what's gonna relate to, to how you come up on Google search. So content is huge, not just with social media, but on your website. And I need to get better about even blogging. You know, um, I did a couple on my website that you can see. And basically it's just given the process. And the reason that is, it's just content. And, and the reason I have that content, not only to help new woodworkers, because I remember I was there when I was learning, it was thank God for YouTube. But it also is a a little more detailed way of going about building, let's say like a live edge table or river table. I think those are the two blogs I have up now, but um, content is key. So, you know, I got to get a little bit better about that because what, what it's doing is it's searching for your keywords within your website and that's how your ranking is on Google. So just make sure that you're constantly uploading pictures. I always ask my clients for reviews because reviews are a big thing on Google really just be on top of it. Make sure you're constantly Updating, um, and and granted, I'm still not on that top five, so I'm still working on it. I can't give all the advice because I don't. I'm not there. Um, like I said, I recently started reels, and it's it's rocketed my my visits to my website, which is awesome. Um, so again, that's when social media comes into play too. It it, it not only gets you followers because that's what everyone says, you know. Well, we want more followers. Um, it also brings traffic to your website. So just this last thirty days, you know, I've reached almost a million people with my reels. And my website's gone up like thirteen hundred percent. Now, has it drawn business yet? I don't know. You know, it's it's getting eyes on it. You know, it's getting people thinking. It's getting the ball rolling. And let's hope it does bring business. But at least I know that it's doing something. So, um, just make sure your your content is key, and and you're updating your site as much as you are your social media. Um, and again, like I said, I'm still figuring it out, so I can't really say do this this way because um, again. I, I I'm always learning, you know. I'm learning just as much as the new guy, um, and and that's when you're your own business owner. You you can't ever stop doing that. You always need to be learning, whether it be on the building side of things, but also on on the office side of things. You're
1: constantly going to be learning. You've said it a couple times that I might not be doing this right, or I might not know the right answer, and this is just what I do, and this is how I'm doing it. But the truth is that we're all just doing it the way we do it. There's no right answer. There's what's right for you. And you are a successful business. You've worked your way through a lot of iterations of your business to where you are today. And where you are today is a successful furniture company. So yes, you are doing it your way but that's the right way for you
0: 100%. You know, and it comes back to what you said at the beginning too is is um, there's no right answer of how how you do it, you know. It is just what works for you and there's going to be trial and errors. And to this day, I mean, I'm like I said 3 years into it full time, I'm still getting trial and errors. You know, I still have slow times and and that to me, that means I'm not doing something correctly, so I need to figure it out and change it. And that's going to happen through your whole business career, I guess, is there's going to be ups and downs. And it's hard not to get defeated because even sometimes I feel defeated. I, I feel like I'm not doing something right. Um, but doesn't necessarily mean that you're just not good at what you do or your business isn't worth it. it. It really just means that something that you're doing isn't working and try to pinpoint that and change it to where it works. Just trying something new and seeing the results. And then if that doesn't work, then try something else, you know. And and like you said, there's no one that can give you the right answer. What do I need to do to start a furniture business? I would say, I don't know. You you have to figure that out yourself. I can give you pointers to what I do, but is it the right way? I don't know. It's worked for me so far. Um, is it going to be the right way for you? I don't know. You know. And and it just it's one of those things that you have to you have to just it's a trial and error. So you have to just try.
1: There are a lot of people who are listening to this show who want to start a furniture company and they don't know where to start. Or there's people who already have a company and they want to do it better. They want to expand on the work that they've already done and become more successful in their furniture business. We just talked about how these answers might not be for everybody that you build your company with a lot of different pieces from a lot of different places. You take information from one person, you take information from another person, and you take information from yourself and you bundle that all together into what becomes your furniture company. With that said, you've been doing this for a while and you've been successful at it. So What's some advice that you could share with people who are looking to be successful in the furniture business in their own way?
0: Well, I I would say, you know, again, coming back to trial and error, but just have a vision of of, of what you want to be and and where you want to be. So where you want to start, especially. So if you want to start doing butcher boards, start there. And if you want to expand from there, go for it. You know, if you want to start right into live edge tables, go for it, you know, but just make sure that, that you are passionate enough to do it because it is a lot of work. This isn't just something you go, oh, cool. Yeah, sweet. Oh man, I, I make money now. All right, great. You know, you're going to go through tons of trial and error. You're going to go through ups and downs of the business. You're going to go through oh my gosh, am I not doing this right? You're gonna go through like, I'm doing this great. You know, you have so many emotions that go into a business. So just be prepared if you do decide to do furniture um, full time, if you wanna take that leap, make sure that the business is there. Um, and and also make sure that when you do get there that you're putting out quality product. Um, if there's something wrong in, in 10 months and, and the client doesn't like it, go fix it, you know? Again, you're building that relationship. Not only just here's the money, cool. See you later. Um, keep that relationship. You know, sometimes I'll randomly go in and, and just check in on my client. I did a table for a guy in Los Angeles. He was uh, building a, a brand new home or remodeling a home, I guess. And he got the table. He actually came and picked it up from me here in Arizona and drove it back. And um, I just checked in. I said, you know, how did it travel back? You know, was there any issues? And and also. Could you send me a picture when your house is done? Because again, that's content for me. I I can't be in LA to take the pictures. And just again, and what I'm getting at with that is is basically I still have that relationship and I'm still uh, checking in on them. And, And with your Google reviews, do your best. Obviously, you can't reply to everyone. Reply as much as you can to them, just thanking them for letting you do it. Because again, you're not a business without your clients. So you have to make sure that you're building that report. And as soon as you get that word of mouth that is no good, Instantly, your credibility goes down. So always make sure that they are happy. Always make sure that you are hustling, whether it be on the building or the office side. You have to constantly be hustling, no matter what. So expect to put some time into it. It doesn't just come along. Again, I'm I'm five years total. If you think about it, about almost six years total into this business, and I'm still figuring it out. And and the thing is, is I think it's always going to be that way because trends change, um, styles change social media even changes. I mean, we're getting a metaverse, whatever that is. So, you know, just be sure to roll with the punches and, and make sure that you are going the direction of where you want to go, but also the direction of what the need is for your business. So find that trait of what you like doing most. For me personally, I love doing dining tables. I do other things. Yes. I'm actually working on a media console right now that I, I don't build a lot of them, but I wanted to do it because it's, it's awesome. You know, it's fun. It's, it's taking me out of my comfort zone and it's also keeping my business Mentally, I guess it's keeping it exciting for me because when you start doing things repetitive over and over, it's just a job and you don't enjoy it as much. Um, so make sure that you take those uncomfortable things and 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 stay spicy, I guess is what I want to say is just make sure that you're keeping it a spicy for yourself. Make sure that you're, you're not just becoming a robot again and, and take things out of your comfort zone. Take some time off and build something for your wife or your fiance or, or your friends, you know, and do something fun and Just enjoy it as much as you can. There's going to be a lot of unenjoyable times, but there's way more enjoyable times. So just be sure that you are dedicated
1: and you're ready for all of that. We are all always learning and that is the way it should be. We should always be taking in our surroundings and learning to do things better. And I hear the passion in your voice and I hear that you have that passion for furniture building and also for learning the business. And putting both of those things together will definitely have you going far in this industry. I want to thank you for sitting down with me and sharing your story and the parts of your business, the good and the bad, and helping us all to understand a little bit better about how you got to where you are today so thank you for that and i appreciate you sharing your journey
0: hey well thank you man i appreciate you having me on and and let me explain a little bit of the journey and it was fun man i
1: appreciate you well thank you thanks so much for listening to building a furniture brand with ethan aberson if you liked what you heard you can subscribe to this podcast anywhere you like to listen To learn more about the show, you can visit buildingafurniturebrand.com and feel free to reach out anytime to say hey, ask a question, or suggest a guest for future episodes. Our email is hello at buildingafurniturebrand.com. You can follow along with me on Instagram at TheBuildWithEthan, and I can't wait to bring you the next episode. This show is produced and edited by me, Ethan Abramson. Hope you enjoyed, and thanks so much for listening. The Building a Furniture Brand with Ethan and Podcast is proudly part of the Woodpreneur Network, the media network and community for wood entrepreneurs. Check out woodpreneurlife.com for more information.